Yeah, thanks to, uh, to our music team. for th- Those last three songs are all special to me, different kinds of songs. Um, the one, the only name that matters to me, I've had that blaring in my car <laughs> so many times, remind me of who I'm living for and who the only name that matters is his name. And uh, then two other just great, rich hymns that uh, touch us on a, on a deeper level. Well, if you brought your Bible or your iPad or iPhone, uh, you can turn to the book of Acts. And uh, Acts is a tremendous book because it really tells us uh, after Jesus was here, those four accounts in the Gospels give us his life. And then we have many of the epistles that are our theological works and instruction uh, Acts is, really tells us how the church initially grew and how it developed and, and how God was at work with his people. And one of the very challenging things, we've been talking about this the last few weeks, is that, that Jesus gave this last final word, his, uh, what we call the Great Commission. And it is a bit intimidating. I think it, for me, uh, may not for you, but it does for me create a little bit of anxiety because... I think, number one, how in the world can we preach the gospel to every creature in the world? I mean, how, do, how are we going to do that? That seems so impossible. And then the other thing that causes anxiety is, what am I going to say? Even, you know, the, the grand scope of it is intimidating, but just one person in front of me is intimidating. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you feel that way. You think, I need to share my faith. This person needs to hear the good news. What am I going to say? And uh, I can kind of break out into a sweat. And I know you don't think that I should do that, but uh, because I'm a I'm a pastor and I should be able to be just uh, really at ease, but I I still get a little bit anxious about it. And so what we found that that God gives us to do this three resources, and uh, I hope you've remembered a little bit of this. Uh, the first resource He's given to us is His Word, His Gospel. It's, uh, it's truth. We don't have to make up truth. We don't have to figure out what is good to say. Uh, he has given us His Word, and we can trust His Word. And His Gospel, His good news, His story is very clearly written in Scripture. So we don't have to struggle with that. We, we don't have to, to come about this with our own authority and our own power. It's, it's the power of His Word. The second resource He gives us is our personal testimony, our personal experience. And we're going to talk about that uh, this morning. The final one we'll get to is that He gives us His Spirit, His actual indwelling presence of God's presence in us that never leaves us or forsakes us. And so when He says, Go, but I'll be with you, even unto the end of the age. That's a great, great promise. But this matter of your story, your personal testimony, your personal experience, uh, we think of a story, and uh, it's the way people communicated through years before we'd have books being published, is telling things by story, or his story, communicating with children to entertain them. I know that my uh, grandkids say, Grandpa, tell us a makeup story. I want me to just make something up, so... (laughs) And uh, I think I'll have to be put my creative juices. Or tell us about when you were a little boy. I don't know if you, you get that from your kids. Uh, tell us a story. And so most people love to hear a story. And you need to realize that God has given you a story that fits into his greater story. And this isn't about being self-promoting or selfish or always talking about yourself. But God has given you a unique story 
story. And I, and I think about this as being that, that every time we come across a person in the pages of Scripture or in, in history, we find a life story that is, it is unique. And you need to see yours as that too. In Acts chapter 3, if you turn over from the beginning, we, we talked about this Great Commission. In Acts chapter 3, we're going to read about Peter and John. They had uh, gone about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to the temple, as their, their tradition was, and they were going to pray. Uh, they call that the ninth hour. It started at 6, so 9, nine o'clock um, or 3 o'clock in the afternoon is the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And in chapter 3, verse 2, it says, And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb, in other words, he had been lame his whole life, was being carried along. And he used to sit down at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. And when Peter and John were about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. So, so you think about this. This, this guy's lame. He's been lame since he was born. He's now 40 years of age. So, I mean, for 40 years, I mean, he's never walked. He's never walked. So he's at the temple as a beggar. And what is he asking for? He's asking for money. What does he really need? He really needs to walk. I think probably he gave up on that idea, don't you think? A long time ago, and now he's just in survival mode. So the great miracle was it wasn't really an option, but he, he asks for money, and Peter said to him in verse 6, he says, I don't possess silver and gold, but what I have, what I have, I give you. What did he have? He had Jesus. <laughs> he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, do you remember when your kids learned to walk? They didn't didn't just start walking and leaping. You know, it was kind of crashing and burning. All of a sudden, this guy is who, who everybody, because everybody goes to the temple. So how often do they they see him every day for 40 years? This guy's been lame, begging. And all of a sudden, they see him dancing around, (laughs) leaping, jumping. Uh, This is amazing. So in chapter 4, this caused quite a stir, of course, among the religious leaders because it didn't follow the, the certain protocols. But this was this man's experience. 40 years is a long time. It's a long time to endure a trial. I find myself a lot shorter periods of times getting impatient about not getting well. Like I have a little sinus infection. You know, some of you have been praying about me. So I've had it since Christmas Day, and I'm thinking, okay, this is how much this is since Christmas. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Lord, you know, pray, heal me. (laughs) Uh, And I'm thinking, how short a period of time I've endured this small thing that I am growing weary and impatient and frustrated with it. Now, we all have our experiences like that. All of us have our stories. This man's story is he could not walk. And these men come, and in the name of Jesus, say, rise up and walk. And he stands up 
and he walks, and he leaps, and he praises God. And isn't it amazing that the religious leaders are trying to get him out of there? <laughs> they don't want people to see this. So this is man's story on developing the, the healing of this lame man. And, and so in chapter uh, 4, we come, and this is where our text will be found this morning in chapter 4. But I'd like to just read this to you. If you'd like to follow along, I'll be reading this, this passage. I'd like to read out of the uh, New International Version. I just think it uh, gives a good sense of it. Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling body of Jews, and they conferred together, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Isn't this bizarre? You're thinking, the most incredible thing just happened, and they're trying to shut these guys up. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in the sight? Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. Now, here's the text, and we'll have it on the screen here. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, think about this verse. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. I call this the power of a transformed life. This man, his whole life was changed. And he was not going to be silent about it. It wasn't that, that all of a sudden this, uh, this lame man became a great public speaker. See, we think about that. How do you share a testimony? Well, I've got to practice my voice and diction. I've got to take that class. <laughs> I'm really nervous in front of people. Or what am I going to say? Do you think that that lame man was worried about how he was going to say all this? He was just so flat out excited <laughs> about what had happened to him. And like the, the apostles said, we can't be quiet. What we have seen it is Christ. And what we have heard is Christ. And we have seen the resurrection. See, the, the resurrection absolutely transformed these people. They saw him dead. They saw him rise from the dead and speak to them and be with them and eat with them and drink with them. And it impacted their lives. And one of the most powerful tools that God has given to us is the personal, real, vital experience that each one of us have with Jesus Christ. It is unique. I would say that I call this the unique gospel, the unique story. 
And there are really, to me, in, in, a, in great ways, two stories. The gospel story itself, the story of Jesus, the story of how he came into this world, the story how he lived a perfect life and he died on the cross, he rose again, he ascended to heaven. It's the gospel story. And then, then there's your story, my story, and the lame man's story, and Peter's story, and Paul's story, and everyone's story. Everyone has a story. And each story is unique. I'd like to just kind of point out how the gospel itself of all of the religious stories in the world, if you go through India and China and Russia and South America and all over the world, you find thousands upon thousands of religions, don't you? Now, what is unique about Christianity? Because I I believe this story, the story of the good news, the story of Jesus, the story of his, his death, burial, and resurrection is a very unique story. And it is a very compelling story. It's exciting. It's different. How is it different? And uh, you probably will come up with other, other things than just what I've come up with. Number one, it has a resurrected Savior. No other religion has a leader who died and rose again. Not one. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And he is living today. He, he isn't a past leader like Confucius or Buddha or Muhammad. Not dead, but living. Resurrected Savior. Second, I would say this, that this religion, Christianity, is unique because the the gift of eternal life is free. It is a free gift that you can't earn or deserve. Every other religion in the world, and if you want to do this study, have at it, is a system of works. It is a system of what you do. You check, do this, do this, do this, do this, and if you do all of that, then you can hope that you go to heaven. Eternal life is a free gift. Eternal life is offered to all men. It's not to a special group. Eternal life is secured, guaranteed, not just hoped for. And I'll tell you what else is unique about Christianity. The dominant characteristic of it is love. It's not theology, not works, not not doing all these things. What marks it is love. And that was so powerful during the time of Christ and so powerful to uh, these people that would be hearing the gospel in the book of Acts. And I believe it is what is most powerful today when we tell people about this religion, this Christ, is the love that makes a difference that is unique and special. So what I find this, that the gospel story itself is unique, it is powerful, it's exciting, it's compelling. You know, it's, it's, to me, it's exciting to talk about the love of God. You know, when a person is in their worst state, to be able to tell them about how, how much God loves them, instead of telling them, well, now, you know what? what, what you need to do is start going to church. You know, if you start going to church and, and quit doing those things and start doing, doing these things and then, and then join our religion and follow these ways, then someday you may, you may make it. I tell you, everything about the gospel is exciting. <laughs> it is everything about the gospel is exciting. The free gift of God is given to us, offered to all men, eternal in the heavens as God is preparing a home for us. He's coming back to receive us. He loves us. We read about that in Psalm 103. His, his loving kindness is everlasting. 
we have, folks, an exciting, compelling, unique message. Now, let's talk about your story. So we talked about this man, the man in the temple that uh, is seated down there for 40 years or probably shortly after he was uh, able to, to go and be a beggar. Uh, and I've seen this. I've been, I've been around in the world and see these temples, uh, especially in, in southern India, where beggars just line the streets going into a temple. And this would be a very typical type of scene where you have these poor people, many of them lame, uh, kind of uh, not have, have not bathed a lot. They, they, they're, they're, they're coming close to you and, and, and scaring you to death, begging, begging, begging for money. And people just toss some coins or whatever. This man, his whole life got altered by one statement from Peter. Rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So what changed for this man? Everything. <laughs> Everything. Now, he has a story to tell. Now, is his story as great as the gospel story? No. But what it does is when, when he, all his life, however long he lived, that man's personal testimony, his personal experience, his personal story was pretty compelling. And I guarantee you people would listen. They may not listen to him if he pulled out a scroll and started preaching, right? People may not listen to you if you pull out your Bible and want to try and preach them a sermon or tell them to read a book or I'm going to tell you these things about the gospel. No, but, but I guarantee you, these people that knew this guy for 40 years, he couldn't walk, he's a beggar, and now he's walking around leaping and praising God, and he's going to tell a story. I want to hear what happened. I want to hear what happened. People will listen to your story. Maybe not everyone, but people will listen to your story. And when you have the opportunity to share your personal experience, it dovetails, it intersects with the gospel story and shows people the bigger story that can then impact their lives. And one of the greatest things that God has given to you is your personal experience. And your continuing personal experiences of how God has worked in your life. So how is your story unique? Um, I'd say for this man, his story was unique. Because not everybody's born that way. Not everybody gets healed. Not everybody's walking. His story's unique. For the Apostle Paul, you remember how many times he would give a biographical if you read through his uh, epistles, he talks about how when I was a leader of the Jews and I was doing this and I was uh, zealous for, um, you know, the, the law. Uh, Paul had, when he's called Saul in his earlier life, had a, had a personal story. And he told it over and over and over again how he came to meet Christ on the road to Damascus and how his life radically changed. I mean, just completely changed. So he's always telling this story. It's not about all about me. No, but personal experience is real. It's tangible. People can identify with it. People can, can understand. They can see. And a lot of times when, when you've been through a particular challenge, crisis, experience, other people can identify with that. They, 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 they can't identify with church or with God or with heaven or or something distant, but they can identify with you. So when I say 
your story is unique. Um, some things are, are common. In other words, we're all human. Um, and most of us are here this morning are human. And uh, we're created by God. We're made in His image. We're sinners. That We have that in common. We're loved by God. We have that in common. We're sought by God. We're saved by God. All those things are in common. But what is different about us? Well, physical features. You know, we usually you can call a person by name. If you can remember on Sunday morning, uh, you recognize because of their physical features. Um, nationality, race, culture, personality, temperament, giftedness, abilities, interests, preferences, life experiences. Every, every life experience you've had it tends to shape your life. It, it, it impacts you. You can't, you can't go through some things, especially traumatic experiences, and, and be the same after that. I, I've said to people, um, they say, Pastor, how do I get through this? And I say, well, you know what? You'll never, you'll never be completely through it. Some traumatic experiences, you never really get over in the sense of, the, you know, you still remember it, you think about it, but it doesn't need to define your life. God can use that experience or trauma or heartache for good, and that's his intent. Satan will take every situation and use it to destroy you, but the Lord would use it to build your life up. So we have many things that are different. And here's the thing. No one looks like you. No one acts just like you. Um, You say, yeah, I don't really like it. Listen, the way you look, the way you are, your temperament, and everything about your life is intentional by God. You say, well, I would have done it differently. (laughs) I would have looked my, you know, I kind of move my eyes here, my nose, my ears, make my hair, a little more hair. Um, You know, I I change my appearance. I always have something like I have my little grandson. Grandpa, you are really bald. My dad, he's a little bald, but you are really bald. So why do grandkids do that to you? Well, sure. You know what? I would say, you know what? If I could do a Photoshop my life, I'd say take a little in here, take a little in here, add a little more hair, you know, a little less wrinkles. And, you know, the way you are is exactly the way God intended. He made no mistake. And your life, the way he's shaped it, the experiences you've been through, some of them have been very hard, very painful. Some of them have been very good. But all of those experiences will, will give you a platform for sharing a testimony of your encounter with Jesus Christ. For me, I, I believe this, that some of the things that I've wondered about I'll, I'll, I'll say, what's that all about, Lord? Why? Like when you get sick sometimes, you think, what's, why did that happen? So last week I was going 11 miles an hour over the speed limit in a school zone. The guy wasn't real nice either. I mean, he just kind of read me the, the facts, so... I'm thinking, I'm, I'm having this little conversation with the Lord. You know, it's kind of like Lord's fault I did that, you know. I'm thinking, Lord, why, why I'm, I'm, out, I'm out doing good deeds, you know. I mean, Lord, don't you know I'm a man of the cloth? I'm a <laughs> no, I'm, Lord, I'm your servant, you know, I'm out, I'm out doing things. Why did you let that happen? Why, why, why didn't you help me do this? There's some things I, I cannot figure out. And I, by the way, I haven't figured that one out. There's a lot of, lot of things I haven't figured out in life, but I can tell you this. 
that in every circumstance in life, God is at work. And sometimes you look back and you start to see things, how God has woven in certain events, certain crisis situations, certain very painful events, and He's preparing you to be able to be a testimony and a help to someone else out of your experience. What I have found is that that some of the things that happened years and years ago, I use on almost a regular basis when I'm talking to someone about what they're going through. They'll say, you went through that? You experienced that? You know, it's like when Philip was having his surgery. You know, we were talking a little bit today about he's getting a little antsy. You know, he's had, um, he's got eight weeks. And, of course, Brenda, she's just kind of trying to help him hang in there with this. And he's got three weeks down. He's got five weeks more to go. And uh, Greg's had the same surgery. He had that, what, six years ago or five, four years ago? I had the same surgery about 20 years ago with a little scar on my neck, you know. So we're up out there talking. He said, I struggle sometimes getting discouraged. You know, sitting around, not, I said, I know how you feel. <laughs> now, it was interesting how we had several conversations about that particular surgery on your neck. And uh, there's, a, there's a level of understanding, a level of empathy, a, le- a, le- a level of communication. Does that make sense? And we could probably, enc- I don't know if we encourage you or not, but <laughs> we can encourage Philip, you know, you're going to get through this. And yeah, that's, that's normal what you've been through. And, and you could take that and multiply that times over and over and over and over again. Your life is unique. The pain you've experienced, the heartache you've had, the, the, the successes you've enjoyed, the, the things you've gone through to be able to bring someone else in a, in a helpful way to Christ. And so these stories really intersect. The stories, the lame man's story intersected with Jesus. Peter intersects with Jesus. Paul intersects with Jesus. You intersect with Jesus. So how do you share your story? And uh, this is what I'd like to just take a moment and help you with. A lot of they say, what do I say? What do I say? And I, I think one is be prayerful and be ready always. Be aware of what people are going through around you. I find it's good to ask another person, and I, I, I'm on an airplane a lot of times, I'll say to, say to someone, they'll tell me your story, which basically, tell me about your life. So they're unfolding. A lot of times they'll say, well, tell me about your life. And I have an opportunity. But I think one of the things that I, I would like for you as a pastor for our church people to, number one, understand the gospel. We talked about that last week. Understand what are the basic components of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are indispensable elements. We talked about, about God, man, Christ, faith. You know, understanding those components of the gospel message. But secondly, I'd like for you to be able to understand the value of your unique testimony. Are you with me? See the value of it and to be able to articulate it in a way that's helpful to people. And here's a little project for you. Take a piece of paper. You don't have to do it this morning. You just watch me because I know you probably didn't bring your paper. But take a piece of paper and fold it in thirds. And... You can kind of put this in a book or Bible or on a shelf and work on this over time. But on, on the, first, the first third of this is to write, my life before Christ. 
Because none of us were born in this world with Christ, were we? We were without Christ, without hope, without eternal life. All of us were born that way. And what was life like before Christ? And you know what? As time, that's why I say you don't just do this in five minutes because here the things come to your mind. Oh, yeah, I remember that story and that story and that part of the story. And, you know, I'm not saying you write a book on this, but, but you're going to come up with some very interesting things. The second part, I'd say, how did I come to Christ? How did I come to the realization my need for Christ? And when did I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for eternal life? What, when did that happen? Well, here's when that happened. Here are the events that took place that was a turning point for me of salvation, of eternal life. And as John says in chapter 3, being born again, the new life, the new birth of belief, of simple faith, faith alone. And that's the middle part. And then the last part is, what's my life been like since Christ, since I became a Christian? How, how is that different? Now, it's not perfect, in fact, there's so many times I probably have more good illustrations that come out of my failures than my successes. That's why I use them. So why do you always tell about how you're failing? I have to do it all the time. <laughs> um, I love to say, well, I, folks, I succeeded here, here, and here. You can do the same. Um, you know what? My life has been, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of bumps in the road. So you learn from those things, and you, you speak all through your Christian life, but you, you begin to see the practical reality of Jesus Christ, the difference he makes, how he's helped you. In other words, when, when Diane's losing her dad, I mean, he's not losing him. He's, uh, he's going to be going to heaven. But, I mean, how does Jesus make a difference in that? In my first section, my first section, I'll, I'll tell about within a week I lost, in high school, I lost two friends. One, one in a car accident, the next week one by suicide. It jolted me. It really jolted me because I thought, where did they go? And it, it was just like really bothered me. Now, in this part of my life, uh, I'm pretty excited for my father-in-law because that's what Jesus, Jesus makes the difference. So that's how, to me, developing a testimony being able to work on a project like this, to me, is so helpful for you to, number one, realize that I'm like that lame man. I'm, I'm flat out excited. I'm walking. <laughs> now, you may not be as excited as he is because, you know, 40 years, but I'll tell you what. And you say, you know, my, my testimony isn't that great. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. If you got saved, if God gave you eternal life, it's pretty great. Okay. This man and these apostles could not be kept silent. We cannot help but speak. We cannot be quiet. We cannot stop speaking about what has happened. And that's the way your testimony should be. So my prayer for you is God give you confidence. God give you joy about it. God help you to be able to articulate that in a clear way. And, and could I encourage you just to maybe do something? This would be great. Get together with guys. Get with another guy. Ladies, get with another lady. Go have coffee and, and share each other's testimony. Kind of practice on each other. Say, I'm gonna, you share yours, I'll share mine. And, and this will help you become familiar with using what God has given you a gift. God gave the lame man a gift. God's given you a gift. 
of what he has done in saving you, be able to use that for your ongoing testimony. So our takeaway this morning uh, I have is this. Be ready to share your unique story and how it fits into God's greater story. The theme that we've had through this uh, last few weeks is your story to tell. And I think this, that when you, the more and more you realize with gratitude the, the healing, the, 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 the ability you have now to walk, to leap, to praise God, the gift that is to share with others and point them to Jesus Christ. So not only do you have the gospel to share with people, you have your personal experience. And as a Christian, continued personal experiences. And I, I pray that, um, I, and I pray this about my preaching because uh, I don't think I, I, I honestly don't feel I could preach um, unless it was fresh. If it wasn't this week, real, in my heart, God working here, in my life, I couldn't do it. And so when, when that's happening all the time, it's like a spillover. People get to spill over. And you may not be a preacher or a teacher but people will get the spillover of an authentic Christianity, the experience, your testimony of God at work, your joy, your, your ability to face things that are similar to them, but it's different for you because of Christ, and you can tell them why. And I think that that's something that I would really like to encourage you to do. Take that piece of paper, fold it in three, start writing some thoughts through that, get with someone else, share these together, work on this, something that... That it's not going to be the same way every time you talk to someone, but feeling confident about sharing what Jesus has done for you. Father, thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for the working in our lives, because every one of us here have a unique testimony, a unique experience of your saving work in our lives, and continue to get that every time you work in us. I pray you'd give us confidence and boldness and eagerness to Uh, know our testimony, to be able to share that in ways that uh, would encourage those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.